as we were speaking, I just, I feel like the, this, I just feel like there is a shift in the season that is so, I thought it was going to be like this slow wave coming in, and I feel like it's a tsunami, it's crashing, which is good, because we're going to be fully saturated in the Holy Spirit, and when I, and I just looked and I said, how do we get there, Lord? How do we get there? And we were we were singing to the Lord, and I just want to kind of go back because the Lord spoke to me in something, and we were singing our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. And God said, don't just talk about me. And I thought, what? And the Lord said, don't just talk about me. There is no power in just talking about me. There's no power in just talking about me. Anybody can use his name any way they want. And, and he, he said, you need to come to me. He said, it's not, you don't say our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. He said, it is, you sing to me, my affection, my devotion poured out on your feet, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're not just talking about him. He said, bring it to me. Bring it to me because the power, the anointing is behind there. It's my, def- my affection, my devotion is poured out on your feet, Lord Jesus. I'm talking to you, not talking about you. You want to see breakthrough in your life? Quit talking about the things that you say you believe and start talking to the Lord and Savior who can actually make those happen. Nothing is done on this earth without the Lord's knowledge. So if we think we're going to lead the Lord, we are very deceived. We are very deceived. And so when I looked at that and I thought, I'm going to change the way I'm singing, Lord. Because I don't want to sing about you. I want to sing to you because, you know, there is power there. There is power there. It's not about me. It's not about what I like and how much I know about the Bible or how much I don't know about the Bible or how good I am at attendance or any of that. God was saying, what are you going to do? Bring it to me. If you want the anointing to fall, you have to stand where I am. You have to come to my feet, not talk about my feet that are in the other room or over here or they're in this program and they're in this. He says, come to my feet and pour it out. Talk to me. Don't talk about me. And I was like, "Who, Lord, what are you doing in here? The Lord says, I'm coming in a wave and you, you want to be part of it, then you be at, have your feet there. Don't be watching from, you know, if you look at a tsunami, there's people that, you know, it overtakes the spot, which is, you know, the Holy Spirit talks about like water. When I'm saying tsunami, I don't mean in destruction. I mean like in that power. Don't be someone standing on a tall building saying, I'm watching the Holy Spirit move. I'm watching the Holy Spirit go by. It is, it is taking everything and saturating everything in its path and it is changing and making something new. We're standing on the building watching that. He says, no, get your feet there and talk to me. So I want to remind you, get your feet. When you come, when Matt comes and brings this message, say, Lord, what are you speaking to me today? Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Come in communion to our, to our kingdom culture here that is under you, and we want to hear. You know what? You anoint Matt to speak, and I'm going to come and say, God, what, what are you saying to me today? Because I want what he has. Because, you know, I don't want my life the way it was yesterday. I don't. I'm like, I'm excited for what God is doing. He's going to work all things out for the good of those who love him. I want to love him, not talk about him. 
I want to truly love him. And I don't care what, you can't care what people on the left or the right or anybody's thinking about you. You got to love Jesus. You know what I love? I took my shoes off and I thought, should I go up there without my shoes? And the Lord said, well, I asked Daniel or David and he ran around in his underwear because he didn't even care what people thought from this side to that side. And so I'm, I'm, I think I must preach today. I'm <laughs> But I tell you, I can't wait to get my feet because I know that God gave Matt a word and I'm like, I'm coming, Lord. Whatever you gave to him, I want it too. And the Lord said, I'm going to hand it out today. I'm going to hand it out. Get your feet ready because he's going to hand it out. That. So, guys, welcome, Matt. I'm excited to hear, that, hear what God's going to say. Good morning. Um, I was talking to God um, yesterday and I was, you know... I, thinking about this, and this is not just something that's new to me, but, you know, when we worship, we, we think about what we're doing when we put, when we get this, these worship songs together, because we don't want, but when we put worship together, we are focused on not what God is doing in our lives, but who he is as a person. Um, when we worship God, we don't worship what, we don't talk about what he's doing. We, when we talk about what he's doing, that's testimony to other people. Denise, God is doing something great in my life today. He's going to do something great in your life today. But when we worship God, we talk about who he is and his character and his, and his, um, and everything about him. We have to start focusing, refocusing on what we do in worship. Because when we start to worship God and say, well, God, thank you for this. And you did have done this in my life. Yes, that is great. And we are thankful for that. But we don't come here to, yeah, we don't come here to enjoy the music. We don't come here to talk about and sing about what he's doing to us and for us. We come to worship him and then we tell other people what he's doing in our lives. Because the more we talk about ourselves, it becomes a center-focused church. It becomes about me. Oh, God didn't do this for me, so I'm not coming to church because God hasn't worked in my life today. Wrong. God's working in your life. You just don't realize it. We have to start to to take the worship off of ourselves and start to look to God and say, God, I'm going to come here and I'm going to place myself before you. Like Sarah said, at the feet of Jesus, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship you. Because when we come and we're like, God, you've done this for me. And I'm sorry, but most worship songs you listen to are selfish. They're, they talk about what, uh, what God has done for them and what he's done for them. And, and don't get me wrong, that's, it's great, but that's a testimony. But worship, true praise and worship is coming to the feet of Jesus and laying our crowns down at his feet and saying, this is yours. You take my life. You take my crown because I am giving it to you and I'm giving you what is yours. And, you know, I'm going to talk about what, who you are and how good you are. But um, let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you, God, that as we come before you, God, that you minister to us. God, that your word is meant for us. It is meant to guide us, meant to um, direct us, meant to correct us meant to um, inform us of what of what we are doing who you are and how you've created us to be God and that when we hear your word it transforms us into the image that you've created us to be God we cast off all the other images we oh, we we put on the image that you have called us to be God we we become the person that you have called us to be and Lord we thank you for that in Jesus name amen so um I want to say uh, some things to you. Not everybody's here, but I want to say this to you guys. Um, Sarah and I are very thankful for all of you. Um, after talking with friends and talking with other leaders and um, seeing other leaders and hearing what's going on, we want to say we're thankful for you guys because th this last two years has been, in this world, has been absolutely insane. Am I, am I not right? 
We're seeing the, the, the rise of some of the most crazy things you'll ever see in your life that you ever thought you would see and never thought you would see. Um, the last year has been crazy, and you guys have been amazing. You guys have shown up. You have given. You have taken and helped each other when each other were sick, when each other were down, when some of you guys had um, COVID. You guys were there taking care of each other and dropping off things for each other and making sure that you were checking on each other and communicating with each other. Um, you guys reached out to the community. People who needed it, you guys did that. You guys continued to give and continued to tithe even when jobs weren't there and finances weren't there. And you showed up, and we're thankful for that. Um, yeah, and Sarah said God is thankful for that too. He sees that. He sees your faithfulness. And, you know, I was talking to other people and, and seeing other people this last um, couple days, and I've seen... Um, people are quitting the ministry. They're they're getting out, they're stopping church. They're they're struggling to gain people. Do you know that we grew over COVID? We grew. They're not all here right now, but they we grew. We gained families while other churches were losing pe- people. We gained people. We had people come in and say, "We want to be part of this church. We don't care what it is. We want to become." part of this church. We don't care what's happening in the world. We want to become part of this because there's a value in that. Um, we've seen cancel culture. We've seen people canceling themselves. <laughs> we've seen uh, people quitting ministry over hurt, over people being keyboard warriors. We've seen people um, trashing people up and down and fighting about this and fighting about that. But you guys have rooted yourselves in God's word. You guys have rooted yourselves in this community and you stood, took a stand for the kingdom. And I think, and I, 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 we give you credit. We give you props for that because you guys did something that a lot of churches wouldn't do. You guys stood firm and said, we're not, we're going to hold our ground. We're not going to just, well, you know what? Let me go back. So you guys all remember when this crap all started? That pandemic that's over with now um, started. You remember we did six weeks of, of us meeting online and that was the most painful thing that we ever had to do. That was tough because we are a community of people who are used to being together. We're used to being um, next door. I remember when our neighbors had it and we went over to visit them and having to be you know, 20 feet from their porch and saying, how are you guys doing? That was painful. To not be able to stand next to them and say, how can we help you? How can we take care of you? And, sorry. But, um, I think watching what we came through and who we were as a church changed our momentum. We didn't have to regain momentum. We started to move during this. We're like, how are we going to do this? During the, the first century, um, first, and, first and second century, there was smallpox outbreak and people were throwing their family members outdoors because they didn't want to do them. And what happened, Christians would come by with, hand, with um, uh, stretchers and pick them up and take them and nurse them to back to health or be with them until they passed. And I think where we picked that spirit up, the, the love of Christ, and we said, you know, we're not going to back down to fear. We're not going to back down to, to um, what man says. We're going to follow what God says. And we watched you guys 
stand. We watched you give and be um, generous, and we watched you take care of other people. And, uh, and yeah, you guys never cowered to fear. At least we didn't see it, if you did. And you know what? Yeah, it's okay. But you guys rooted yourself in this church and in this kingdom, and you said we're going to take a stand. We're not going to give up. We're not going to not meet together because of, of what the enemy says he's doing on this earth. Do you know what the enemy, he declares things all over the earth all day long. Every second of the day, the enemy is declaring something over the earth. And you know what? We have a choice to listen to what he is declaring, or we have a choice to say, you know what? Shut your mouth. Because we choose not to listen to that. You know, um, Sarah had a word a couple uh, weeks ago, and I, I'll let her share it some other time, but, and she's already shared it with you guys once, but um, God kind of just said there's a bell that's been, the bell rang. You guys give that, give that word real quick, and then I'll go on. So um, March 12th, 2020, right before everything shut down, um, I had a dream, and the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord said, um, uh, there's been a sound released throughout the whole world over the whole earth from powers and principalities. It cannot be undone. It cannot be taken back. You can't unring a bell. The Lord said, but I say it is time to release a new sound over that. So when the Lord released fear, it is our job to release the sound of the Lord, which is rejoicing and victory. So the Lord said, we can't take back what the enemy has done, but we have the choice to release a new sound. has been rung. You can't unring a bell. You know, you guys ever watch the, the stock market? They go up and they, they get that big bell and every morning and every evening they, they ring the bell to either open or close. And that's what the world went through. They went through and the principalities went up and they rang that bell. But we have the choice to create a new sound. We have the choice to create and we did. I, I look at this. What did we create during this, whatever this was. I'm not even going to call it what they want it to be called because it wasn't. We're going to call it that God was, someone um, said, I heard someone say yesterday, Moses is dead, Joshua is now in charge. And that's what happened. Moses died. And there was a new season. And our choice is how are we going to follow God during th this new season? This is a new generation of people that are going to grow up and they're going to be, these little ones are not going to understand what, this is. They're going to be looked back like we did 20 years ago. This is what happened 20 years ago in our life. And we have the ability to say, we're going to tell you what God did. For this two years of chaos that was trying to overtake the world, God did this. God did this in our lives. It wasn't what man was doing. It wasn't what the politicians, it wasn't what our government, it wasn't what our authorities were doing. It was what God was doing. The last 18 months have been a playground for the enemy. He's like a kid at a, uh, at a cakewalk, and he's got candy in one hand, and he's grabbing cake with the other, and he's like, this is where I live right here. This is his that's his uh, sweet spot. He is in his zone right now, and fear, is, fear is cre creates in the body of Christ discord, and fear in the body of Christ will create contempt for God. And what's happened is, is there's been a clear line in the sand drawn in, in the kingdom. It says, this is how it's going to be. And you either 
follow me or you follow fear. You know, I, I was reading some statistics and over the last 18 months, this playground for the enemy has been suicides are up, divorces are up, murder has increased almost 30%. That's huge. I, I didn't even get the statistics on drugs and alcohol. I can't, you can't even find those. But I guarantee that's probably up 50%. Michelle will probably tell me. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yes. No, Michelle's not an alcoholic. It's just, <laughs> but, but, you know Michelle, you know where she works. Okay, and if you don't, please ask her where she works so you don't think she's weird. Um, but this last two years has been a playground for the enemy, and it's been his, he loves it. He gets, he, every day, he goes, how can I instill more fear? How can I instill discord into these nations? How can I cause chaos in families? How can I cause um, chaos in churches? And I, I think so many times we, we look at the natural and we say, this is what's going on in the world and how do we combat it? You know, I, I, you watch the news and you watch um, different things like that and you see these insane um, countries that are locking down their entire populations. You can see this, um, these places that are, are requiring things for people to live. And we're like, we have to fight this. But Ephesians 6 says this. It says, we do not combat human beings. This is not a human thing. This is a principality thing. This is the spirit of the age of, of mammon. This is the, the antichrist spirit that has come upon this earth. And we are not fighting elected officials and politicians and different things like that and governors and different things like that. This is not about them says we do not hand-to-hand -hand combat with human beings but the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms for they are a powerful class of demons and evil spirits that hold the dark world in bondage it's the passion translation i think that explains it pretty well for what we've seen so it's not about the governments it's not about the rulers it's about the principalities and the spirits that are influencing what is happening in this world problem is, is we try to take that fight to people we try to um we try to go up to someone people who are operating with principality and try to slap it out of them and it doesn't work that way oh uh, my girls watch uh uh one of the ghostbuster movies it's one of the newer ones and um it's funny because and there's this one scene where this ghost goes into this person and it's, the person starts attacking the other person and she goes, just starts slapping, trying to slap it out of her. And I'm like, this is how, but this is how the church wants to operate. We just try to slap it out of, of, the, of the public. We don't. When we battle principalities, when we fight this, it is not about going against leaders. It's not about going against our elected officials. It's about kneeling before God and praying and saying, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and praying against what is happening in this world. We still have to stand up and say, you know what? We are going to vote how we vote. We're going to protect life how we protect life and do the things that are our civic duty. But this is not a, this is not a 
humanly fight. This is not us going and slapping somebody and saying, demon, come out. It doesn't work that way. We all wish it did, but, you know, sometimes your child, they're like, demon, come out. No, you know, when they're misbehaving, yeah, no. Um, but it is a spiritual fight. You know, it was funny because, you know, how many of you guys know what John 10.10 says? Yes. To give life and life more abundantly. Okay, so my question is, is, you guys ever read what is before that and after that? Because most of you don't. Most of you know that scripture. You can quote that scripture because that's the scripture you pull out of your pocket when something's going bad and you're like, no. Um, I want to read this to you. And it's the parable of the king's shepherd. And I'm going to read it from the Passion because I really like the way this one um, expounds on this. It says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep den rather than coming up to the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right into the gate and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in and the sheep recognize his voice. I think right now, our job right now is to recognize the voice of God because everybody's saying, well, this is what God is telling and this is what God is saying and this is how God is working. Really? Let's find out how God is, is the voice of God for yourself. Not for I don't need to know what God is saying to you. I don't need to know what God is saying to you. I need to know what God is saying to me. We have to recognize what he is saying at that time. All right. Where did I go? There we go. It says they recognize his voice, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. And when he has brought all of his sheep out, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him. For they are familiar with his voice, but they will run away from strangers and never follow them because they know it's his voice and not the voice of a stranger. Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word he meant. I, to be honest with you, I'm just saying I probably wouldn't have understood what Jesus was saying either. And I, if you really look at it, his disciples didn't. They're like, yeah, that's right. And then they get back, what did you mean? That's right. He told them, and on the road to another place, uh, Master, what did you mean by that? You know, you know he had to explain that because they didn't understand that. But verse 7 is great. It says, so Jesus went over it again. He's like, you in there? Listen. Jesus went over again. He goes, I speak to you an eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves. I think it's a little plain. They're thieves. They break in. But the sheep never listen to them. I am the gateway to enter through me is to experience life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one enters into the Father except through me. He said, I am the gateway to enter through me is experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief only comes with one thing in mind. He wants to steal kill and destroy but i have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect and in fullness until you overflow and then jesus says i am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for a sheep but the workers who serve only for wages are not real shepherds because they have no heart for the sheep and they will run away and abandon them as soon as they see a wolf 
And then it says the wolf then amalls the sheep, drags them off, and scatters them. He says, for I, excuse me, in verse 14, he says, I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me, just as my father knows my heart, and know, I know my father's heart. I'm ready to give my life for the sheep. That's powerful. That one, we use that one verse as like, you know, we try to combat the devil with that one verse, but the, the whole passage is really about us submitting ourselves over to Christ and realizing that he is the good shepherd. Almost lost my notes there. Almost deleted them. Whew, that was close. Yeah. Good thing there's an undo. Um, the enemy doesn't come in and say, doesn't just come in and say, here, I'm here to devour you. You know, if you put in perspective the time that we're in, the season that we're in, we need to understand the times. We need to understand the seasons that we're in. And I think a lot of, of people don't understand the season that we're in and the times that we're in. I've watched as we've moved away. I'm not saying we as a church, but I've watched as culture, as, as Christians have moved away from being offensive to what is going on to the culture. We don't want to disrupt the culture Guess what? We were made to disrupt culture. Jesus came in. What did he do? He disrupted culture. He put their whole system and basically put it in a wheelbarrow and then flipped it. He said, by the way, this is how it's going to be done. Now. But the, the enemy, we have to understand the time we're in, but the enemy right now is not coming in saying, hey, I'm here to devour you. Stand still. I'm going to kill you. No, he doesn't work that way. The enemy, what he does is he comes in to steal and destroy, but he doesn't do it right away. He lures us away, finds the, the, the weak, finds the, the sickly, gets them away from the fold, gets them away from the shepherd. Then he devours them once they're isolated. The enemy doesn't come into the, the, the fold and say, hey, which one of you wants to be my next meal? He looks for the isolated. He looks for the one that is, is being pushed away or being sick or being um, dumb as sheep are and walks away and, and goes off in a different direction. We have some sheep across from our, our house right now. They are the dumbest animals I've ever seen in my life. Like, just... Yes. Amen. And there's a reason why God calls us that. <laughs> Uh, am I right? So, sorry, but I watch those sheep in our in the in the field next to us, and they are they run into things like they're just like they they run into the fence. They get spooked and they just run into the fence. Like it, it's just, yeah, they run into the road. It's just the I understand now, God. Um, But the enemy is trying to isolate us. He's trying to isolate churches. He's trying to isolate believers. He's trying to isolate groups and communities and saying, how can I devour? How can I come in? He has a plan and a purpose for this community. The enemy does. His plan and his purpose is to tear this community apart. His, his um, ideas are divorce and drug abuse and sexual abuse and everything that he can throw at this. And that's his 
plan and his purpose. His purpose is to destroy, and his plan is to throw everything he possibly can at this community and at this church. But as believers, we have the ability to tune into what God is doing. Because what God is doing is way more powerful. But for some reason, we don't really see that sometimes. We think, man, the enemy's just really taking ground. But we don't really tune into what God is doing. We don't say, okay, the enemy is taking ground. People are, are dying or people are, are, are whatever. And we're like, well, what is God doing? If we have to ask what God is doing, we are not having a conversation with him on a daily basis. What are you doing? Because if I come up to you and say, what is God doing? You should have one thing that God is doing either in your life or someone in your family's life. You should know what God is doing. But I I love what God says. And he says, even though this is going on, he goes, I tell you these things that you may have peace. Peace. You may see what's going on in the news. Turn it off. Get off of social media. He says, I tell you those things so you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have disease. You will have pestilence. You will have viruses. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That is the best news I've ever heard. He's, a, he's like, no, I'm, it's not, I'm coming back to get you from this. He goes, I have overcome the world. He's not, oh, just wait around and don't say anything until I, and, until I come back and grab you because I don't know what it is. Jesus doesn't know. I, I imagine that the Jesus coming back is like Jesus on the starting line of a race and he's got those little things and he's got his feet in there and he's just like, okay, God, tell me when, tell me when, tell me when, tell me when. Jesus doesn't know, only the Father knows. And he's like, I tell you this because that you can have peace. I don't know when I'm coming back, but I've overcome the world. And the same spirit that lives in him lives in us. If he has overcome the world, we have overcome the world. But I love what he says. He goes, take heart. Take heart. Take courage. What I love is this. is God gave me this... Um, analogy and it says the troops never surrender first it's always the leader that surrenders you don't have soldiers like hey we're gonna take a vote and we're gonna vote if we're gonna surrender or not and then we're gonna let the leader know that we're gonna surrender no those guys usually get shot um it's true um it's called mutiny um no one ever comes to the leader and say, you know what, hey, I think we should just give up now. We're really kind of tired of fighting this, and we should just give up now. When the leader cowers, the troop cowers. And I don't see God cowering anytime soon. I don't see him backing down. I don't see him giving up. I see God standing firm and saying, I have overcome the world. I have overcome sickness, disease, poverty, Mental illness, drug abuse. I don't see God cowering anytime soon. That's what I love about him. He doesn't back down. 
We don't have to go to God. Hey, can you really, I need you to step up and do this for me. We think we need him to step up, but God's already working for us. Think about this. The, um, Jesus is in his ministry. He's got three years of ministry in his life. And the disciples are with him. And they're like, you know, Jesus, this is uh, starting to become kind of dangerous for us. I think we should just give up and not do this because, you know, there's some people that don't really like you. And, you know, if this doesn't work out well, we probably aren't going to have jobs after this. So I think we should give up. And Jesus is like, you know what? I think you're right. I think we should just stop doing this because I don't want you to not have a job if this doesn't work out for us. You know, this has been a good gig, but I don't know if this is going to pan out to anything. No, Jesus wasn't like that. But his disciples were like that. Like, what's going to happen if this doesn't work out? We saw their response when Jesus was taken to be crucified. They're like, oh, I don't know the dude. Never seen him. I'm not from here. Aren't you with, weren't you with the Nazarene? Nope, don't know him. Nope. I just got in today. Staying in the Best Western and just came in to see the crucifixions. But Jesus, his disciples are like, we, I don't know if this is going to work out. Jesus is like, I'm not stopping. I'm not going to back down. Can you imagine if Jesus was a sissy? They wouldn't have called him the Lion of Judah. They'd be like, he's the calico from wherever. No, he's not. There's a reason why he is the Lion of Judah, because he is ferocious and he never stops. And he, yeah. You want to... Um, you want to see God mad let the enemy do some work in your life there's a reason why he's called the Lion of Judah because he is aggressive it says the kingdom is taken by what force it's not like well you know devil give me my land back we don't walk up and say hey you stole my you stole my health you stole my finances and you stole my family can I have it back please no, it doesn't work that way. So the violent take it by force. If Jesus had the tenacity and the boldness to go into a temple and drive people out with a whip, I think we should have the tenacity to get on our knees and pray for our families, our children, our works, our country, our leaders, our politicians. I'm telling you right now, we're not going to back down to a world system. We're not backing down to viruses, lockdowns, or shutdowns. We are the kingdom of God, and we will keep moving. We are going to meet. We are going to further his kingdom because he has overcome the world. We need leaders in families that are bold enough to see the work of their devil, of the devil, excuse me. Not their devil, no. And to boldly partner with heaven for their families. Saying, you know what, we're not going to allow my family to be this way. I'm not going to allow our families to be this way. We're going to pray. When 
we can take ground for the kingdom in our families, how much more is our combined ability to take ground for the kingdom in our community, in our schools, in our workplaces? We need to be bold about what we believe. We don't have to be rude about it. We have to be bold. Bold and rude. You look them up, they're two different things. So um, we need to be bold about it. But Jesus said it's principalities that we are dealing with. It's, it's the, the, the spirit of Antichrist that comes against the church that we are dealing with. We're not dealing with some guy that's angry. It's not about that. It's about whatever is influencing the world at this moment. We still live in a fallen world. We still live in an, a world that is being guided and directed by Satan. Because when you give yourself over to the depravity and, and the sin that he puts into your life and wants to put in your life, then what happens? You become influenced by him. We have the ability to influence leaders. We have the influence to be able to influence our families. But we have to start to do it boldly. And sometimes you have to stand up and say, no, that's not right. No, we're not going to do that. But if we don't take a stand, if we don't come boldly before the throne of God with our prayers and our petitions and our, and, and our requests... Why do we think, and we wonder why nothing is getting done. We come to him with our petitions and our prayers and say, God, this is what I'm going through. Give me the strength to go through this. Give me the results that you want to come out of this. I think so many times we come to God and we're like, I need this result out of this prayer and you need to do this for me. And God's like, I have a result for you, but you have to be open to be able to receive that result. The outcome of what we pray is usually not what we get. Am I right? We pray for one thing and God gives us what we need and we're like, oh, I didn't really realize I needed it that way. Like, God, I just need a million dollars right now because I want to go on a trip. And um, God's like, haha, you're funny. Um, but God is working on our behalf. He's, he's ministering to us, leading us, but we have to be bold enough to follow him. Bold enough to take a stand and say, I will fight for my family. I will fight for my community. I will fight for my church. I will fight for the school. Whatever it is, I will fight for it. To boldly partner with heaven means that sometimes there's going to be some sacrifice. Jesus said they will hate you because they hate me. Sometimes that's hard to that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Like, oh, Jesus, we just love you, but people are going to hate us because they hated you. But we need people who are willing to let it roll off their shoulders. We, get, we can't be offended by what the world says to us. We get so offended, oh, people don't like church. Well, you know, get over it. They're not going to like church. They're not going to like God. But why are you letting them affect how you feel about God and how you feel about church? Like that song said, our devotion should be to Jesus. Our devotion should be to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who has created us, the one who sustains us and supplies us and, and um, 
sings over us and speaks into our life? And why are we letting some peanut gallery deter us from what we believe and what we do and how we do it? So boldly partnering in heaven is mean, I'm going to take a stand in my life. I'm going to take a stand for my family. I'm going to take a stand for my church and I'm not going to back down. But remember, this is not a slap a human event. This is dealing with principalities in the spirit of this age and dealing with the spirit of Antichrist who hates God, who hates church and wants to see everything that the church stands for in rubble. One last thing for you guys and then we're going to close. The enemy wants to see us gone. He wants to see this church. He wants to see everybody's life in rubble. But we have a God that fights for us. We have a God that says, sit back and watch what I can do. Watch what I do. See how I do it. But he's commissioned us. He's told us that we need to start to do something. And Jesus said it best. I'll read this to you. Jesus was quoting, and he said, The Spirit of the Eternal One is on me. He has anointed me with a special purpose. He has sent me to repair broken hearts, to declare that those who are held captive and bound in prison to be free from their imprisonment. He has sent me to announce the year of the Lord, the, the Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. He has sent me to comfort those who will mourn, He has sent me to give them a beautiful crown in exchange for ashes. He anointed me with gladness instead, excuse me, anointed them with gladness instead of sorrow to wrap them up in victory, joy, praise instead of depression and sadness. People will call them magnificent like towering trees standing for what is right. They will stand for the glory of the eternal Lord who planted them there. And they will rebuild the places that were ancient ruins. They will restore age old, ages old, once splendid structures, They will renew ruined cities. And from ashes and debris that laid untouched for many generations, the people will come from all over and serve you. God has called us to take a stand. He has called us to stand firm, plant our feet in him and say, you guys ever, there's a game I remember playing in gym class as a kid. And you had to stand there with everybody else and you'd link arms and you had one person in the center and they had to try to break through. You guys remember that game? I don't know. Maybe I was just playing really stupid games. But um, there was that one game, you had to lock arms and one person would try to break through to get to the center. And when they got to the center, whoever they broke through, whoever arm left, had to get out and then had to try to break through. So if you were that person, you always found the littlest kid. You're like, how can I find that? And that's what the... Yeah. And that's what the enemy does. He says, I'm going to, find the, I'm going to try to find the, the weakest point in the armor. I'm going to try to fe- find the weakest point in the circle, and I'm going to push my way through there. But God says, I've come to strengthen you, to give you strength, to be your encouragement. And when you lock your feet and when you lock arms with us, there's a difference between us and the little kid in gym class. We have a God that is protecting us and watching over us and strengthening us. 
And when we lock arms as, as believers and we lock arm as a church, we say, you know what, this is not getting in here. You know, I, I, Sarah and I were talking about this. We look at the church. We have not lost one person from church. And that means from sickness and death. We have not lost one person from leaving because they were in fear. And God has increased us. I think that's a plan of God right there. And I think that's the plan of God for all of our lives is we won't be sick and we will not die, that we will not, be, we will not run away, but we will stay and we, we will grow. God has given us beauty instead of ashes. He has given us joy instead of mourning. He has given us peace instead of fear. And it is our job to boldly stand in our, in the, in our households at the door at the door and say, devil, you're not coming in. Sickness, you're not coming in. Poverty, you're not coming in. Fear, you're not coming in. Depression, you're not coming in. And when we stand and we guard that gate, God gives us a big stick. We had a, great, we had a president that said, carry a big stick and walk softly so you can sneak up on the devil and whack him a good one. And so when we do that, we stand at the door of our house and say, this is my family, and I stand for them. The blood of Jesus is over this house. The blood of Jesus covers my family from sickness and disease. It covers us from poverty. You know, you will go through times of struggle, but God is there, and he is providing for you. It is our time to stand and say, this is my house. We will serve God. We will not be sick. We will not, be, we will not die. God said to us, you will not be sick, and you will not die. And what's really great is we have, God has given us the gift of Sarah to be in this house to, to, to give us prophetic words and forewarn of what is going on because God gave her this idea years ago of what was going to happen for us to be able to sustain. Do you know that we didn't lose anything? We didn't lose anything. This body did not lose anything. We gained all right. That's what the enemy comes to divide. When he was cast out of heaven, he divided the angels. Um, he uh, denomination means to divide the nations. And when you were saying that, it's like quit dividing and saying this is how these believers are and this is how these believers are. Just be who God said you need to be. And, you know, that's how we're going to stand. Don't pick everything apart. We heard a good word about, guess what? We need to get some planks out of our eye before we start looking at the specs in other churches, other people, and their family. Once you got the plank out, you say, hey, I got my plank out, and it was, took a lot of time, and you know what Jesus showed me how? Here's this little speck. You know how easily? Boom. And rejoice in the Lord. So I, I think this, this is a good word is division. You cannot allow that to enter your household, your your church, the kingdom, anything. That, if you want to go downhill, that is how you will go downhill. Divide. I had a rather restless night the other night, and every time I would wake up, I would, I would hear the word standard bearer. And I'm like, a couple hours later, I'd wake up standard bearer. Wake up in the morning, standard bearer. I was like, well, what exactly does that mean, Lord? So I, you know, what are you trying to tell me? So I looked, I got the definition. It is the person that carries the flag 
in a, in a military campaign. They are the ones that carry the emblem and the colors that represent. And I just felt like, Matt, that's what you're telling us to be, that each one of us need to be that standard bearer in our community, in our family, in the people that we, uh, we, we come in contact with them. So, standard bearer. Appreciate it. All right, that was a good word. That is true. You know, to hold that standard for our family, say, this is my house. And for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And say, we will not waver from side to side. We hold the line and we say, not in my house, not in my family. Let's pray. Oh, sorry, Sarah. You know, I think that God is doing that was really slippery. Um, But when you said that, the Lord said, if you remember going into battle, who carried the flag, it was not allowed to hit the ground because you know what? They knew the direction the battle was going as long as the flag was out in front and they didn't have any other weapons, but they had the name. And you know what? Like you said, we are bearing that. We have the name of Jesus. We don't need cannons and all these things to attack people because you know what? The the name of Jesus is more powerful. And if we lead with that, we will have victory. So, amen. Jesus, and that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. So.